Hello, welcome. Thank you for diving into the clean, green, and marine podcast together with your two favorite hosts. We at Clean, Green, and Marine are going to teach you all about the fascinating world of conservation, environment, rare and exotic animals, and cool new ways to impact your home and community. My name is Anthony, and with me as always... Kira, hi! I'm here. Welcome. My beautiful (laughs) co-host. Alright, let's get started on the episode topic today. What are we talking about today? We're going to be talking about A, we're going to be talking about B, and A and B are going to go and get smushed together, and they're going to make C. S'mores? Nope, we're talking about nuclear fusion. Oh, okay. You put one thing in, you put another thing in, you smush them together and get C. Okay. Another thing. So nuclear fusion, you're Mm. fusing, so not nuclear fission. No. No. All right, we're talking about nuclear fusion. Make sure when you are trying to talk to people about nuclear fusion that they don't confuse the two. They sound similar. They have some similarities, but they are quite different. Nuclear fission could destroy things. Yeah. Nuclear fusion... It has destroyed things. Yes. Nuclear fu- fusion cannot. So, I will be talking about... What is nuclear fusion? In case anyone doesn't know, it's not really something talked about. People don't really go out of their way to be like, Hey, Jonathan, did you hear that there's nuclear fusion happening? And then Robert's like, Oh, no, I didn't. Tell me all about it. Like, that's not happening, really. Maybe in maybe a few people. Maybe in, like, the scientific community. But, like, the everyday community, that's just not something talked about. So did you know what nuclear fusion was before doing this? No, I did not. I knew about nuclear energy, and I I guess nuclear fusion is a type of nuclear energy, but I didn't know the difference between the fission and the fusion. Mm -hmm. So I got them confused, and I was just thinking they were the same thing. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely understandable. But I learned they're quite different, and we're going to talk about what nuclear fusion is all about. Yep. Nuclear fusion is the process by which two light atomic particles, or nuclei, combine together to form a single, heavier, stronger, faster... I'm just kidding, I was going with Kanye. (laughs) Stronger and heavier one while releasing massive amounts of energy. So nuclear fusion brings two light atomic particles together. Like atoms together and the nuclear fission breaks them apart. 
Yes. They, they work in different ways. Very different ways. And fusion is actually a long-term energy source that we can model, like, commercially very soon someday, hopefully. It uses abundant fuel supplies and does not produce greenhouse gases or long-lived radioactive waste. I'm not going to say that there isn't any radioactive waste, but it's so infinitesimal and it degrades within, you know, there's no need for long-term storage, which I'll get into. Um, but I will just, we'll just keep that on the back burner. So fusion has long been understood before we were able to harness it as the process the sun takes where hydrogen nuclei fuse and create helium while releasing the energy that lights and heats the earth. So the sun is already doing nuclear fusion naturally. Without nuclear fusion, the sun's core will eventually just dim and become useless to us and we will live in cold. So nuclear fusion is an important process that is keeping the sun alive. What will make the sun eventually die out then? When, okay, so now you know the process as two atoms coming together mm -hmm. and making one, right? Mm -hmm. Eventually, and I am talking billions of years from now, eventually those bigger, heavier molecules will no longer be able to be supported and they won't be able to be nuclear fused. Don't really know the exact definition, but eventually there will come a day when there will just be these heavier molecules. Why? And well, because nuclear fusion is taking two to one, so there will always be two going to one, and two going to one, and two going to one, I until it, was, it creates more than it needs energy. Yes, but everything will start to get heavier. Because you're taking two light nuclei and making a heavier one. So eventually, okay. you will get to a point where everything is just extremely heavy. All of the nuclei are extremely heavy. Eventually, creating a supernova. It, the sun will attempt to do nuclear fusion and the um, process I'll get to, and it'll eventually implode in on itself and create a supernova. Because it just cannot take that gravity of the, the weight. I see. So that's why stars die out is because They're they get so heavy. dense and so heavy that they just... Hmm. Like right now our sun is, is good, but... That's good. Mm -hmm. But if something was to happen and like nuclear fusion just stopped all of a sudden, we would all be doomed. So there is a few different types of nuclear fusion that I want to talk about. There is a specific type of fusion that occurs inside of the sun that we, I just talked about, and that's called proton-proton fusion, or proton... PPF, PPF yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or proton conversion. Kind of sounds boring. I like proton-proton fusion. Mm -hmm. And this is a fusion reaction that preserves the number of protons and neutrons. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a separate reaction. It's a fusion reaction that preserves the number of protons instead of proton-proton fusion it preserves the protons and neutrons, which is called practical fusion energy production. This is the fusion energy production that we do. Okay. Now, fusion can also involve many different elements in the periodic table. So the okay. one that we are currently trying to stride for is 
using deuterium and tritium. So deuterium-tritium fusion reaction produces a neutron and a helium nucleus in the process. While using these two substances, it basically makes as a byproduct the cleanest, most efficient energy source from the fusion reaction out of all the elements, mm. which is deuterium and tritium. Where do they get these, these chemicals or substances? We'll come back to that. I could have sworn I wrote it down somewhere. I, yeah, I so, know one deuterium. Came, came from the ocean or, or something, but we can... Yeah, deuterium comes from the ocean, and about one in every 5,000 hydrogen atoms in the ocean has deuterium in the salt water. Mm -hmm. So it's very abundant. Yeah. Triterium comes from the nuclear fusion process itself. I don't know the specifics, but it comes from the steam emitted from nuclear fusion, and the steam eventually leaks into the soil, into the earth, or into the atmosphere in which we can contain and use it for more fusion. So the first one you talked about, the was it the triterium? No, the deuterium. Oh, the deuterium. So you're, they're combining two of those together? No. They're combining triterium and deuterium. But you said the triterium is happening from the process itself? Yeah. So what is it combining at, in the beginning? Well, How does it begin that process? Well, triterium itself. Triterium is in the earth, and so we get triterium, which is an element. I don't know the makeup of it chemically, but... We get triterium, and we can make more triterium in the nuclear fusion process. So basically, as a byproduct, we're producing triterium through the steam, and then we can link it back into the process for more. So nearly two inexhaustible sauce sources of mm -hmm. fusion, basically, because mm -hmm. 5,000 atoms in salt water is, I don't even know, a nanometer. Mm -hmm. So there must be a lot of deuterium in the ocean. I could have sworn I wrote that down, the, the like specifics of it. But um, uh, to keep going on, the byproducts of nuclear fusion, what do you think the byproduct is without just like... Well, I already know what it is. Oh, you do? It's helium. Mm -hmm. Because I have looked it up. <laughs> so I already know what it is. Okay. So, yeah, like in case... Stuff that you fill up balloons with and you breathe it in and you talk weird. Mm-hmm. So if anyone didn't know, one of the byproducts is helium. The end result in a DT fusion, which is deuterium-triterium, is a fusion of four protons into one alpha particle with the release of two positrons and two neutrinos and energy. So the alpha particle is the helium, and it basically, the fusion process releases helium and a fast neutron. Fast neutrons keep the process going. So you don't want slow neutrons, you want fast neutrons so the process can sustain. Think of just like a bunch of five-year-olds in a bounce house like bouncing around. Like that's the ideal scenario that you want. Mm. You don't want just nothing moving. Mm -hmm. You want a bunch of chaos. And then, yeah, so a fast neutron is just a neutron of fast kinetic energy that allows fast reactors, like nuclear fusion reactors, to capitalize on the energy yield from natural uranium 
as compared to like fission or thermal reactors. So it's just, it works really well in the nuclear fusion process. And then the nuclear fusion process releases energy because the total mass of the nucleus is less than the mass of the two original nuclei. This goes into Einstein's original equation, E I equals MC you, squared. Don't we all? And he said that in part that mass and energy can be converted into each other, which explains why nuclear fusion works, because they can be created into each other, converted into each other. Cool. If that makes sense on what I was saying with the ball. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Einstein's just, he's got it. Did he know about nuclear fusion? Oh, for sure, yeah. They, they knew about nuclear fusion for a I while. Knew they knew about like in the sun. Fission, fission. Yeah, I mean they made atomic bombs in the forties, but no, they knew about fusion, just not how to harness it. They've known about it for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I have the positives here, and Kira's going to talk about the negatives, um, and kind of just go from there. So one of the positives is it provides a nearly inexhaustible supply of energy. Do Oh, this is where I actually talk about the, like, where we find the common resources for it. So deuterium is common, and one in every 5,000 hydrogen atoms in seawater is in the form of deuterium. Tritium may be released as steam from nuclear reactors or leak into underlying, hiccup, underlying soil and groundwater. So the more we produce, the more tritium we have. Fusion produces energy by fusing together two hydrogen isotopes, deuterium and tritium, and that does not create any long-lived radioactive nuclear waste. As stated by the National Academy of Engineering, there is no threat of nuclear meltdown like there is with the nuclear fission reactors of today. Mm -hmm. And it does not rely upon a chain reaction, so there's no chance of a runaway reaction that could lead to a meltdown. So in the event of an equipment failure, the small amount hiccup number two, the small amount of fuel available stops reacting instantly, and the plant cools down automatically from the chain process. So the fusion industry already supports thousands of jobs and businesses across the country, and 47 out of the 50 states in the United States supports the fusion industry. Fusion energy will theoretically give the U.S., and I put this as a very strong theoretically, freedom from fossil fuels. Without the need for fossil fuels or even lithium at that, at that point, it really makes the U.S. in a good point to conduct foreign policy. But the problem with that is we're talking about the U.S. government. So I want to strongly harp on theoretically gives us freedom. Right. Yeah. That's all I can say on that. Well, I don't want to get into yeah. politics. <laughs> um, the last one I have here, a fusion power plant produces radioactive waste because the high energy neutrons produced by fusion. So this activity creates the waste quickly. And the activity of the waste qu quickly declines. So 50 to 100 years, which is tenth of a thousandth of a value of fission, decays. And the decay time is one to 500 years, comparable to the hazard potential of the total ash from a coal plant. So ash from a coal plant does have small, 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 small traces of radioactivity, but not enough to do anything. So yes, there's waste created, but it's so infinitesimal that we don't even need to store it. 
we could just loft it and let it go. Mm-hmm. And it, there's no greenhouse gases. <clears throat> and, you know, 50 to 100 years, it, it degrades. So unlike the fission process we have, it's really, really good. And a careful choice of material, like deuterium and um, tritarium fusion, basically obviates the need for permanent storage. So it's the cleanest fusion process. And after a lapse of 50 years, 30 to 40% of the total mass of the waste can be released without restriction. The remaining waste can be recycled after another 50 years and reused in new power plants. Hiccup number four, power plants. (laughs) So we can... Nuclear fusion is a very good process of use and reuse. You reuse the same like elements, basically. And given that a nuclear fusion could come to a halt within seconds, the process is inherently safe. Limiting or self-limiting harm. If you cannot control the reaction, the machine switches itself off. So that's just, that's the point that we want to say is like, there's not going to be any like nuclear fission meltdown reactors like the one that happened in Japan. Mm-hmm. So that's all I had for the positives. You know, there's always some disadvantages when the, you know, there's always a pro and con list pretty much for everything. But luckily, the con list is pretty low for nuclear fusion. Well, I wouldn't say that, actually. I would say there's only a few, but they're pretty big. Mm. You already talked about, like, that it it can produce some radioactive waste, but it's just so small that it's not necessarily worry but that still is a con it it can um it can end up in the water and and you know cause a little bit of radioactivity but i think the harmful the the harm it could do to plants or animals is going to be pretty minimal so i'm not really going to talk about much about that i wouldn't say there's much harm as far as we know however something to think about is all the helium released they say helium is um there's no harm in helium in our in our atmosphere. However, mm-hmm. we don't know what a large amount of helium will do because helium, I guess, technically reduces oxygen levels. We'll all be walking around. But yeah, we don't we don't know exactly what a large or like that helium is gonna do if we're doing it on a large scale. Like we don't I don't know if we would know. We'll just have high pitched voices. We don't know. So really the the main disadvantage to nuclear fusion is just how extremely difficult it is to achieve and that's why we're it's still in the research phase and not really much is happening on a large scale because it is so difficult to achieve and I read this and it's kind of like funny but true it's really hard to recreate a star in a lab Mm -hmm. and that's true like we, we don't have the capacity and the technology to create something so powerful with just what we have now. So essentially, we would need, imagine trying to contain a gas at 100 million degrees Celsius. So essentially, we would need equipment that could hold and sustain that temperature. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's really difficult. There's no material that can withstand that temperature at this time, as far as I know. And that's essentially... Would you agree that's the main thing that makes it really difficult? Yeah. I mean, to your point, there's essentially, you know, you're trying to contain the power of a star into... It's like the heat of it is so high, it would just destroy anything that it was in. Yeah. So 
there is talks and research that I found recently because I know that the process of research was halted in the 90s due to like funding and government was mm-hmm. not worrying about it. So the more common researches of it were using magnetism and gravity to actually, instead of a material, mm-hmm. they weren't holding within the heat of like say a stone or an element mm-hmm. they were holding the power and the magnetic the field in in with the magnetic field so that mm-hmm. the dangerous heat waves like say from a star because if you look at it at a bigger scale how is the star contained into a ball gravity mm-hmm. so they're trying to research ways of you know in within the reactor holding it um, single atoms by gravity and magnetism. And it's working on very small scales. We can produce nuclear fusion. Um, but we in, can't hold like large amounts at a time. Well, it's not going to be like a star, right? We're not going to have like a huge nuclear fusion, like energy burning. But at this point, they've mastered the process of like, you know, one to two particles. You know, like, like, let's take this particle and we'll do nuclear fusion and we get energy from it. Mm-hmm. And it works. It's just not large scale. Right. So, like, so yeah. You can power, like, I, I heard that this is the last news I heard from it. From the nuclear fusion we can do at this point that we can do in a lab or a reactor can power a city, but a small city. And that's it for, like, that one reaction, but we can't do any large scale reactions right now. Mm-hmm. But I guess that's where they're working on, like using the magnetic fields to contain the process yeah. and the energy. So that is the main reason. It seems like they're very, I don't know if it easily is the word, they're able to create the reaction. They just don't have a way to contain or hold the heat. Yep. So there has been absent steps to accelerate fusion development and current projections estimate that commercial scale power plants could start to be built in the 2040s. So built right. in the 2040s. And a time frame like that always remains decades away anyways because the lack of ambition when you put a, a year on it, scientists and researchers like you only get that one guy who's really doing it and the rest like put it in the background because no one takes leadership because it's such a far off goal. So Yeah, and with that, the cost is another disadvantage. Oh, I bet. And not necessarily to create the energy, but just to build the infrastructure. They said would, you know, cost trillions of dollars and many you know, many economies couldn't afford that. Um so that is one of the disadvantages. I don't know when will, like, like you said, like it will happen in 2040 or, you know, when, when will we have enough money to build it on a large scale? I don't know. Yeah. Because the, the cost, at least if it was, you know, doing it 100%, maybe they can have like a small scale, smaller scales at first. I, I don't know how that much would cost, but that's probably what they'll do. I don't know. Yeah, Maybe. But that's really the only disadvantages that I could find, just that it's it's difficult to contain the temperatures that it creates, the the financial side of it, um, the small amount of radioactive waste, and 
the unknown of the heliums in the atmosphere. Other than that, there wasn't any other disadvantages. So it's mostly advantages. We just have to continue to do research and make it practical or like, a, what's the word? Make it sustainable sustainable and possible with the, yeah, mm. with the technology we have. And with that being said, you know, having something foreseeable with so little negatives, when you look at the arguments that have been going on for years of hydropower, lithium power, fossil fuels, like, and all the negatives that come with all yeah, those. essentially no damage to the environment or humans or the earth. Mm-hmm. It's like, why aren't we researching more into nuclear fusion to sustain it? It doesn't make sense to me. I know it's not a practical goal right now, but like it's a practical humanity goal. And I feel like a practical humanity goal is something that we should be putting on the forefront as a world, not just the United States or Germany or Britain or Russia. Like this should be a combined effort Mm -hmm. across all of the world. I just, I don't know. That's something that is in my head of the future. Mm -hmm. That'd be amazing if one day everything was just running off of it. It would just be like really clean. Yeah. Really clean. We wouldn't have to rely on mining and fossil fuel burning and like all those jobs could be turned into, you know, nuclear fusion jobs. And that's another positive of it. If you look at it is once we actually start doing nuclear fusion, it's going to open up hundreds of thousands of job roles, millions probably across the world. So to summarize nuclear fusion, you can't create runaway reactions like in fission. It also doesn't produce radioactive byproducts that need to be stored or harmful carbon emissions. It simply produces inert helium and a neutron. The process is far from being completed. Overall, it's a great energy source to power the world. I agree. I'm for it. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely think it's a solution for solar and windmill and hydro and fossil fuel. I mean... You know, we got to start looking at more permanent solutions. And right now, the only permanent solution we have is solar, and there's still drawbacks to that. So I think that nuclear fusion is, is just the way to go. And unlike thermal, which is just terrible, nuclear fusion actually works. We just have to get better at it. Mm-hmm. Practice makes perfect. <laughs> I don't have anything else to add. I don't have anything else to add. Okay. Thank you for diving into the Clean, Green, and Marine podcast by Seamotionals. Yay! Woo! We appreciate you joining us. We hope you're having a good day or night, whatever time it is for you. And as always, you can reach us on any of the socials we have. Instagram at Seamotionals, Discord at Seamotionals, Twitter at Seamotionals, anything at Seamotionals. You can find us on all of the top podcast sites. We're on almost everything. And we hope that you enjoyed the podcast. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you next time.